is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, one, two, is this thing on? Yep, okay, I think we're good to go. Uh, Hello, it's me, David Cameron Walker. No Mark Crossley this week. He's gone to Japan. Looks like he's having a lovely time, judging by his Instagram photos. I've seen him uh, taking an evening of a, a Japanese Beatles tribute band, be served in a restaurant by what appears to be a, a, a life-size robot, and then I got a WhatsApp uh, audio message from him yesterday, just with a load of unintelligible noise, uh, shouting something about a crazy taxi driver about three in the morning. So we'll find out exactly what's gone on in Japan with Mark when he's back next week. I've got no idea where Carl is. He's left me in the lurch. Jim's long gone. So unfortunately for you, you're stuck with me. Now, Mark did leave me instructions before he went to make sure I recorded a mini episode in his absence just to keep things ticking over. And that's exactly what I've done. We're going to have a little look at Birmingham City this week. Lee Clark has gone after two rather uninspiring years. Uh, Malcolm Crosby took the team for two games, the second of which was an 8-0 home defeat to Bournemouth, which has to be the absolute rock bottom. Surely things can't get any worse from here. And Gary Rowett is the new manager of Birmingham City, this week taking the job after leaving his post at Burton Albion to rejoin the club that he played for for two years in the late 90s under Trevor Francis, well regarded at St Andrews. And he also brings with him Kevin Summerfield, Kevin Paul and Mark Sale, all three of them former Birmingham City players as well, with him to St Andrews. So on the face of it, an optimistic appointment. Now, who better to talk to about the situation at Birmingham than friend of the show, talk sport presenter, and of course, more importantly for purposes of this interview, a lifelong Birmingham City supporter, Ian Danter. And he had the opportunity to speak to Gary Rowett right after he had given his first press conference as the new Birmingham manager. So let's hear a little bit of that now. Here's Ian Danter speaking to Gary Rowett on TalkSport. Joining us now on Drive Time is the new Birmingham City manager, the greatest club in the world, of course. (laughs) Gary Rowett, good evening. Evening, Gary. How are you doing, gents? Okay. Yeah, we're doing just fine. What a day for you. How's it been? Yeah, it's been really good. Really good, yeah. I mean, I knew it would be busy. Uh, wasn't quite ready for just how busy it would be, but I think, that's, again, that shows the, the size of the club and, 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 you know, where the club's been previously, um, mm. which, is, which, is a reason, which is a reason I've come back, you know. It's something there as a player. Uh, you can see, you know, from those times uh, how exciting this club can be, and I think that challenge really, um, you know, I couldn't resist. You had uh, your opportunities to, to, to go to other clubs. There was the talk of Blackpool there in the season, which you decided uh, not to go with. Now, have you had assurances that you you have a cause because the you know the, the club off the field has, has had its problems at Birmingham? Are you happy you've got the, the people and points of contact that you can trust to go to, so that everything's in in place as a, a structure for you to work under? Yeah, I think that was one of the main reasons. I think one of the main reasons was assessing very quickly. Uh, through the interview process that, you know, I had the environment that, that I could work in and my staff could work in and, and to try and first and foremost obviously improve results on the pitch, which is obviously our short-term aim. Um, yes, I've had assurances that there are funds there that if I need to improve the team uh, quickly, obviously that's going to have to be done in a, in, a, in a pragmatic way. You know, it's not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to go and bring 10 players in on on masses of money, but at the same time, you know, if we need to make short-term changes, and there's an opportunity to do that. Obviously, the easiest thing for me to do is go and do that straight away. But I also want to give the players that are, that are here a chance to to work, you know, to our philosophy and see um, what they can achieve under it. You know, and it's a fresh start for all of them. And 
and uh, I'm sure hopefully they'll relish that. Ian Danter there speaking to the new Birmingham City manager Gary Rowett earlier this week and I'm delighted to say that Dance joins us on the line now. So Dance, you obviously remember Gary as a player at Birmingham. You had the opportunity to speak to him yourself earlier this week. So all things considered, do you think Gary's a good appointment for Birmingham City? It's the right appointment based on who is available. If you want the fans to be a little bit more uh, united as we go into the next few games because certainly the, the whole degeneration of, of the, the the support for the club over the last couple of years, quite a few supporters didn't really warm to Lee Clark at all at any point. And there's been a lot of divided opinion, supporters fighting amongst themselves with the problems with the ownership that I've spoken about with you on, on, on this podcast before, which, you know, still hasn't resolved itself and appears to be nowhere near resolving itself, even though Carson Young is now in prison uh, and Peter Panu, who is the acting chairman, is no longer at the club in that role, although ludicrously still on the board. So in amongst all this incredible uncertainty, um, the one thing that Birmingham City fans do need is is somebody who they can identify with and, and he was the best candidate for that. His backroom team, Kevin Summerfield, Kevin Poole, Mark Sale as well, all four of them, including including Gary himself, played for Birmingham. So well remembered by by the St Andrews crowd. But I mean, does that actually make a difference? I know on the on the surface of it, it's a pleasing thing to see that a player a manager that you to play for your club is coming in and you can identify with him. But I mean, it's said all the time when when this in this sort of situation, oh, he knows the club. We need someone that knows the club. But does it actually matter? I mean, he's still got to come in and deal with what is quite a difficult situation. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 it means nothing in, in that sense, in a practical sense anyway. But what Gary Rowett told me yesterday on Talk Sports was that as far as he was concerned, these gentlemen, Summerfield, Sale and Paul, have earned the right to coach at a higher level. The fact that it's at Birmingham City where they've all played before is kind of inconsequential. As far as Gary's concerned, they've earned their stripes, they've paid their dues and the coaching sessions that they put on for him at Burton Albion showed him that they had the ability and deserved the opportunity to work at a higher level. So whilst it's nice and it, it's 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 a, a nice romantic thing for the supporters to hang on to, not, not only is the manager an ex-Birmingham player, but the rest of the coaching staff also represented the club. And, and in a guy like Mark Sale, I should mention, incidentally, you've got a, a particularly sweet story there because he, he wasn't well. He, I, I'm, he, had, uh, he had cancer and recovered from it in, in in remission. And he was a big, tall, uh, gangly striker that played for the club some years ago. And, uh, you know, he's reinvented himself as a, as a coach and all the fans will be delighted. But yes, they have to earn their stripes again and prove that this isn't uh, an appointment based on sentiment. It's an appointment based on their hard work and their ability to get the best out of players. I think you're exactly right to say that Birmingham is a club that needs some life breathed into it there needs to be some happiness and some smiles on the faces of those supporters because I mean that home record last season was dreadful only two wins you've only won one game at home in the league this season that 8-0 defeat at the hands of Bournemouth after Lee Clark was sacked at the weekend I mean it is a dismal situation and you know just some positivity is desperately needed you want to you want to be a season ticket holder at Birmingham City I mean you think about that you pay your money up front and that's what you're presented with over the course of a season, one home win. It really is tough for fans at the moment. And the tendencies have dropped off, you, you, you know, as they always do when sides get relegated from the Premier League. 
um, it's sort of well 50% down really, which is quite a substantial drop off in in support, which is to be expected. And the and the disenfranchisement, if that's even a word, that the support have had with the ongoing boardroom uh, cloak and dagger antics just makes it even worse. It, the, the home form in itself would be bad enough, but factor in Carson Young's in, you know, imprisonment, factor in Peter Panu's intransigence in wanting to sell the club to, to people that are showing genuine interest, factor in the apparent mountains of bureaucracy and red tape that surround anybody that shows even the vaguest interest in purchasing Birmingham City, then it, 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 it's only natural that, that fans are going to start becoming more and more disillusioned. So uh, it's not going to be an easy job for Gary Rowett to get everybody back on side, but he certainly said all the right words that you would expect him to in, in his press conference and in his interview with me. Uh, and the proof of the pudding won't necessarily uh, you know, be shown in the next 90 minutes at, at Wolves at the weekend. It, it, it's going to have to happen over the next two or three months as, as things settle down. But apparently the, the players in the first training session that Rowett and his staff took when he first came to the club on Tuesday, apparently left some of them feeling a bit tight. You know, they, they hadn't been worked that hard for quite some time. Talking about the players, there were quite uh, there was quite a high turnover in the summer. Uh, again, Birmingham were a club of the last few years. You, you're well used to shopping in, in the bargain basement, as it were, but picked up a few players of promise. I mean, Clayton Donaldson, I suppose, would be the main one in the summer that you look at. Scored a few goals early in this season. But, I mean, what sort of squad... Does Gary have to work with? Do you think he can get a, a lot more out of it than than Lee Clark managed to? Well, he's got a set of players that aren't as reliant on the loan market as Lee Clark had last season. So that this was a clear strategy that Lee Clark and uh, Panos Pavlakis, who's the acting chairman, had during the summer, no longer to go down the route of simply relying on short-term six-month and all one-season loan deals for players. So players like Clayton Donaldson, David Edgar uh, and others coming into the club uh, were brought in on longer-term contracts. Not many were being paid a great deal. I mean, the the, the average wage at Birmingham has is, is now dropped considerably. Now Nikola Zigic is no mm-hmm. longer at the club. So there was a, a desire to, 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 to get more unity in terms of continuity from season to season. So... That's important. And most of the family silver has, has already been sold off. Having said that, there are players coming through who are getting their opportunity because of the paucity of uh, the lack of money available, like Kobe Arthur and Damari Gray. Those guys are, are attracting interest. Uh, and it's interesting. it'd be interesting to see whether Gary can persuade those guys that the best place for them to be at the moment is Birmingham and, and not necessarily to be swallowed up by a Premier League club as soft and happens. How many times have we seen that where a, you know, a young player develops and looks like they're showing promise? Off they go to the Premier League. Yes, they're earning staggeringly big amounts of money, but they disappear. Uh, and I, I don't think that suits anybody uh, apart from the, the player's bank balance. It certainly doesn't suit the player from, a, a, from a, a development standpoint, in my view. So this squad that Gary's got, he needs to keep together. There are some decent players in there the ones that have been brought in, I don't think any Birmingham fan had a problem with with those that were brought in. We understood the, the, the financial restrictions that were being placed upon us. And I don't recall hearing any fans spitting feathers about Clayton Donaldson being brought in. It made sense. He'd scored goals at League One level, deserved the chance to make the step up. 
Uh, and who knows, he, w- he may well be, you know, have made that step up with Brentford had he stayed there in the summer. David Edgar knew how to get Burnley out of the division, having been there. Stephen Gleeson showed a lot of promise as a passing midfielder at MK Dons. These are all players that you could see the logic in them being brought in, but it hasn't gelled together yet. So how do Birmingham move forward off the pitch? You you mentioned Peter Panu and he, he's left the club now. Carson Young is long gone, but I suppose that the spectre of of those individuals still looms at the club. The situation is, is far from from resolved and you know it, it's still there in the background all the time. It, I mean, what, where is the progress coming for, for Birmingham off the pitch? No one truly knows. Uh, and this has been the case ever since Carson Young joined the club and bought it for for this exorbitant sum of 81 million pounds and you you can you can go right back to the very start that that the the uncertainty has been there uh sammy Yu became a director of football um even though he'd had no real involvement in the game in this country suddenly he had an office by alex mcleish's at the west hills training ground uh that soon you know evaporated and disappeared then there was Vico Hui, the, the, the chairman, who, who disappeared. You know, he, he went back to Hong Kong. Then the the stories about Carson Young and how he'd obtained his wealth suddenly came to light. Accusations were made. The court case was brought. And apparently 100% of money laundering cases in Hong Kong returned guilty verdicts against those charged. So once those charges were brought against Carson Young... The die was cast and, and everyone thought, well, unless they've got a smoking gun, there's no way they're going to bring this bloke to trial because they wouldn't want to particularly uh, ruin that uh, <laughs> that particular percentage. So I don't know what happens next, Dave, in all honesty, because we seem to have been close on a couple of occasions to finding potential buyers. Gianni Palladini was linked with the club, ended up having this ridiculous public spat with Peter Panu that did nobody any favours. There was Peter Ray, former owner of Swindon Town, who showed interest, and I think they've just come up against wall after brick wall of bureaucracy and red tape that has left them feeling frustrated. The fans desperately want somebody from the the local area to to take over, but they've got to offer the right money because the, 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 the value of the club on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange has plummeted. Uh, and BIHL, the holdings company that ostensibly owns Birmingham City, want a return on their investment. They're never going to get £81 million back, but they want something for it. And unfortunately, what most people are offering, they're not interested in taking. With, with all that in mind, I'm going to ask you to take off your, your Birmingham City fans hat here. And in your role as a broadcaster, an, an objective broadcaster, even even when Birmingham are involved, just about... <laughs> um, do you think that this is a good move for Gary Rowett? It's a risky move, as it is for for any manager that, that comes into a club that is not in a strong position, either on or off the field. You could argue that Birmingham may already have touched bottom by losing as heavily as they did to Bournemouth, but that could be the tip of the iceberg equally, that the results may not get any better in the short term. Gary... Um, didn't take the Blackpool job that was offered to him because he felt that there were, you know, he he wouldn't be able to run things the way he would want. He's clearly had those assurances from Birmingham. Otherwise, he wouldn't have taken that job and he would have stayed at Burton where 
the progress was clearly being made. They're doing well in League Two. And by the way, that's a great job for somebody, isn't it? Mm, yeah. at, at the Pirelli Stadium, you know, wh- whoever gets that job. And I know a good friend of mine, Michael Johnson, the former uh, Birmingham City and Derby centre-half, is desperate to, to uh, get involved in football somewhere. And that job might be perfect for somebody like him. But for Gary, yeah, it's a risk. Um, he's as as when Trevor Francis took over as an not just an ex-player, but arguably the club's most famous ever player. When he took over in the mid '90s, he knew the pressure he was under, and he was putting his reputation as a goal-scoring hero for Birmingham on the line. Now Gary doesn't quite have that sort of weight of expectation on his shoulders. He played for the club for two years and he was well respected and he did an excellent job. But uh, still, and all that, uh, the, the, the ex-player mentality and, and what that brings does cause a, a a problem and an extra weight that I think he can deal with. Uh, you know, in in the short term, he's uh, he's quite calm when it comes to how he's perceived and how. His role is perceived at the club. The, 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 we'll just have to see how the next two or three months pans out. But it is a very, very difficult job for him to take on. But I don't think he'd have gone anywhere near taking it had he not thought, ego aside, that he could do something positive for the club. It's a job, obviously, that proved too difficult for Lee Clark in the end. So just a just a word on Lee Clark. I mean, how how do you look back on his two two years in charge, two and a bit years in charge, two seasons, a twelfth place finished in twenty thirteen, and then last season, of course, that last gasp survival, where after a dreadful season on the pitch, really, and I suppose mm. maybe that last gasp euphoria really papered over some quite substantial cracks well, that again, evidently yeah. weren't filled this season. Absolutely. It goes back to the, 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 the reliance on the loan market, where last season, for example, Lee had to rebuild the the spine of the team at least twice because players had been brought back. Dan Byrne and Kyle Bartley were the first choice centre-halves at the start of the season. And they got recalled by their parent clubs and suddenly he needs two brand-new centre-halves. He brings in Tom Thorpe and Tyler Blackett from Manchester United on loan. Tom Thorpe immediately gets injured and has to go back to his club. See, this is the sort of thing he was fighting against. He was relying on short-term loan deals, providing him with a spine and a basis for a team to go forward. And that's no way to work. But that's not Lee's fault. That's what he had to do. That was the directive he was given. Uh, And he certainly cared... When history will be written about Lee Clark's time at Birmingham City, nobody would would say that he didn't give a stuff about Birmingham and, and, and progressing the club because when he came to the club, he felt he his role at Huddersfield and his time at Huddersfield had been misrepresented because they'd missed out on the playoffs to Peterborough and that, you know, he was, well, he's a draw specialist, he's, he's this, he's that. He's not going to make it as, as a manager. And the fact that he's already been heavily linked with Blackpool a club that's even an even worse mess somehow, if that were possible, than Birmingham, shows his desperation to mm. prove to people that he is made of the right stuff. I wonder whether he may think, you know, look back and regret that if he does indeed take it. I, mean, I always think sometimes you say he certainly cared, and that's true, but I wonder if he, you know, this might sound a bit strange, but I wonder if he cared too much. He seems so emotional. And, you know, a manager I, sometimes, I think, needs to be a calming presence, and he just seemed to be, he'd take defeats really badly, and he'd, and he'd be over the moon if you won, where sometimes really need to ca- be in the middle. Well, there's a really good case in point on that, Dave, actually. First season in charge, we played Coventry in the League Cup at the Rico, and um, we lost that game. 
I think it was 3-2, but it, it was a fairly chastening defeat early on in Coventry, you know, League One side at the time. Uh, and it was, I think it was one of the shocks of the night. It certainly created a few headlines early on in Lee's career. And I remember he came out to speak to us, all us assembled radio guys, and I just wanted to give him a hug. He just looked mm. distraught. And this is one game. You know, it wasn't like it was a succession of poor results. I think the, the side decided okay, hadn't pulled up any trees, but weren't awful. But that one defeat just totally sent him through the floor. And honestly, I just wanted to give the bloke a hug and say, it's all right. It's just one game. Um, but he did take defeats very personally. Um, I think his relationship with Derek Fazakali and Terry McDermott, who were part of his coaching staff prior to that, you know, I, I think his his desperation to make things right might have, you know, been taken out on them. Who knows? Um, you know, that they felt you know that the pressure that 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 he puts upon himself and he put it upon them too. So Lee wanted to win. Uh, had the same tenacity as a manager that he that he has that he had as a player, but his hands were tied quite a lot of the time. But it's not that he didn't care. So moving on to the new era, Gary Rowett's in charge now. And what a game to have as your first game in charge. <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers away at Molyneux Saturday lunchtime. A fantastic opportunity to, to get your ear off to the best possible start. Well, Gary was telling me he had good memories of, um, of playing at, at Wolves for Birmingham. He remembers supplying a, a goal for Paul Furlong in one of those uh, Birmingham Black Country derbies. And with Wolves back at this level and having started so well... What, it's third not going to be table. an easy game, for sure. Yeah, joint top, third in the table. It's all semantics, isn't it? They're top, really. You know, it's just goal difference that keeps them off. Uh, and they have been playing some very good football um, since the start of the season. Kenny Jackett, his template that he had at Millwall has been transferred to Wolves and it's working fine. They kept hold of players that I didn't expect them to in Bakary Sacco and and others like that. Uh, and uh, and Blue's going to have their work cut out. It's on the telly, and I hate to sound like superstitious pillock, but on Sky Television, we're rubbish. <laughs> I think you're just rubbish, uh, even we're off television, rubbish, really, yeah, aren't you? To yeah, be honest. You're right, but I, I just generally, our record over the years, even when we had decent form, it seemed to me, I can only remember a couple of times, like, Crystal Palace a couple of years ago on a bank holiday where we absolutely whooped them when Nathan Redmond was in sparkling form for the club. But most of the time when we're on the telly, we're absolute garbage. So that fills us all with a little bit of dread. But that's just that's just the Birmingham City fans' gallows humour coming out of me, But what better time to, to put that, oh, that no, hoodoo to bed? Absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, interesting selection poses right the way around the field for Gary Rowett. Darren Randolph, who last season was an extraordinary forming goal, really seems to have tailed off at the start of this season. Colin Doyle, who saved a penalty when Birmingham won promotion uh, some years ago. That would be, oh, goodness, 2006 maybe, uh, when Steve Bruce was manager. Uh, he, you know, he's been playing in the, in the cup competitions. Maybe he deserves a chance to show what he can do at championship level in goal. There's also some of the other academy prospects who've been overlooked somewhat. Malcolm Crosby didn't pick Callum Riley to play against Bournemouth. I didn't really understand why because Callum has been developing really well as a Probably a good midfielder. thing, considering what happened. 
maybe he got 20 <laughs> he got 20 minutes at the end and he was one of the few players that you couldn't really have a go at mm. at the end and there were lots of players that seemed to throw the towel in 8-0 at home oh i know i know well look it's the, it's it's it, it's the worst thing i i i uh, i'll tell you this i was i was actually i had the weekend off right i had saturday off and I'd gone with my girlfriend to um, spend a weekend on the Isle of Wight doing a bit of sightseeing and just, just taking a break, basically, right? And we'd got back in the car at about half past four <laughs> to head back to our hotel. And I switched on TalkSport. And there was Jeff Peters saying, so it's Birmingham nil, Bournemouth six. And I worry for Ian Danter's state of mind right now. That's the first thing I heard <laughs> when I switched the radio on. And Debbie's looked at me and I, I'm taking all this in. Birmingham nil, but how has that happened? So you you immediately, look, I can't start the car yet. So I've got straight on my phone and got on Twitter, which I've studiously avoided all day because we were, you know, trying to enjoy a bit of a break. And you're you're piecing together, you know, you're reconstructing the murder. And Mm -hmm. it it just, it just, the the more you looked into it, you know, a goal down inside 10 minutes and a man down inside 10 minutes, missed a penalty at 3-0 down with a chance to get back in the game. Oh God, this could... Could this get any worse? So uh, that lots of these players, much as the Sunderland players who lost 8-0 at Southampton will have to do is, you know, buckle their ideas up. Who knows how many of those starting 11 Gary Rowett will play at Wolves? You imagine quite a few because he doesn't really have too many options uh, to, to put out a completely different 11. So we'll see. I, 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 I'd like to think that... that, that Callum Riley, for example, will get a start. I, 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 and there's others that that can't really be dropped, but need to show a damn sight more gumption than they did uh, against Bournemouth, which which may well be the the the, the logical bottom of the pile mm. result. Let's well, see, can we build yeah. from there? I, I, I'd, of course, I'd love to think so because I'm I'm blue and white, and I, I love the club dearly. I don't want him to get you know suffer any more, and, and the the season to get hold us to suffer any more than what they already have. And I haven't been a season to get hold of for donkeys because you know when you when you have a career in broadcasting, it invalidates your requirement to have a season ticket because most of the time you don't get to see your club because you're working elsewhere. And I haven't seen Birmingham live yet. I've watched a lot of the games back on on video and things like that, you, you try and catch up. But it's not the same as, as being there. And that's why I feel for those supporters who paid their money up front and have been served up performances like that. Hopefully it can't get any worse than that. I mean, if it, if it does, then I really do fear, fear, fear yeah. not just yeah. your mental sanity, but all those all those Birmingham City fans out there. Dan, thanks very much for talking to us. No we problem. appreciate your time. And, uh, well, good luck for the, for the rest of the season. Fingers crossed. Talk Sport presenter and, of course, lifelong and long-suffering Birmingham City fan Ian Danter. Thanks very much for joining us. That's about all we've got time for this week on the mini-episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned something. Mark will be back next week. Normal service will be resumed and we will find out exactly just what went on over there in Japan. We'll find out about those Beatles, about those robots and about those crazy taxi drivers. I can't wait. You probably can, uh, but I'll see you next week anyway. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.